What's up, guys, and welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast, Episode 9. It's your boy, Jay Ray. I'm with my guy, Johnny T and B-Cap, and we're here to bring you another NFL episode. We broke down the AFC already. We're all done with that. Now we're moving on to the NFC. We're going to break down the NFC North. We're going to also draft our all-time NFL offense. We're going to break down the top five wide receivers in the NFL today. And then we're going to introduce a new topic. We're going to bring out a new segment called Check It Up. Stay tuned for that one. But we're going to start with the NFC North. John, talk to me, man. Oh, so I have a hot take for you guys. I wonder how you guys are going to respond to it. On the scale of hot takes, it's probably only like a six. But we do it every year at that specific team. But I want to start off first with the team that I think is going to win the division. That's, that's how we should start this off. And that is the Green Bay Packers. I think so many people look at their offseason and they say, this team's got no weapons. You know, Alan Lazard starting for them. He's a really good blocker, one of the best at his position. But Randall Cobb, they missed big time in the second rounder from last year. Rodgers, they bring in Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Okay, that's solid. But people are looking at that and they're saying to themselves, Aaron Rodgers has such, such little weapons to work with. And Devontae Adams, I think he's the best receiver in the NFL. Not because he played with Aaron Rodgers. He's Aaron Rodgers' most favorite target. I mean, Aaron Rodgers loved him for a reason. The route running, the hands he improved, all of that stuff. I mean, it was invaluable for Green Bay. So losing that, that production is going to be so hard to replace. But when you look at the division, this defense that they're building up through the draft is insane. The secondary, Jair Alexander is going to be healthy. Eric Stokes going to his second season. Amos, all those players they built up on the front seven through the draft. You look at the offense, what do they do very well? They run the ball. The offensive line's going to be healthy. They have everything in this division but the weapons. And when you look at Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's by far the best quarterback. He's actually 10-1 since Devontae was drafted. I think the stat was without Devontae. 10-1. And now, sure, his his new number one is Hill. Is it Watson? Randall Cobb? Alan Lazard? Sammy Watkins? I would say Sammy Watkins is probably going to start. Yeah, I'd say Watson is the most potential, but I don't think he's scratching 900 or 1,000 yards. Christian Watson? Yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to speak on him. Like, when I um, was doing my uh, research on this, I mean, 6'5", 208 pounds, and he ran this – he ran a 4.3140. I mean, when you got six five size and you're running a, a almost sub uh, four three, that that's something you can't teach. So, and Aaron Rodgers puts the ball where it needs to be. Um, I think he has a lot of potential to have an insane breakout season just because Aaron Rodgers is his quarterback. He's going to have to fulfill that potential, and I think he's going to get a lot of targets because of how. I wouldn't say, I mean. I guess you would say weak, um, excuse me, weak receiving core. So I think there's a potential where he can uh, jump the pack and become the number one if uh, he starts to show that potential. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, there are two big losses for Green Bay, where it's the Darius Smith and uh, Devontae Adams. But I mean, in the first round, they drafted uh, Quay Walker out of Georgia, um, inside linebacker. And then uh, and the, they had another set uh, – because that was the uh, pick that they tra- um, got from uh, Vegas for the trade with um, Devontae. So then their real pick was uh, they took uh, another Georgia player, Devontae Wyatt, a defensive tackle. So those right there can be impact players right off the bat. 
Uh, I don't see Green Bay getting um, <clears throat> getting dethroned this year. You got Aaron Rodgers coming off. I think they were thirteen and four or something like that mm-hmm. around there. Um, Aaron Rodgers with the MVP, obviously. Um, I think back to back MVPs. So I, I just I'm not going to doubt Aaron Rodgers. I look at the team. I say they might not have this elite defense that has like a really good player at each position, but they've got uh, some game changers on that defense at, at each level of the field. And that that's really all you need. If you look at the Rams last year, I mean, their two game changers were J- uh, Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, and they had some uh, good guys, um, you know, surrounding them. But for the most part, it wasn't the Rams defense from when they made the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots, where there was like a great player at like each position, like they were just unbelievably stacked. Mm-hmm. So as long as you got a couple game changers on that defense, you're going to be fine. So I don't see them getting dethroned this year. I, I don't think it's a shoe in that the Packers got this division. Like, you ready for my hot take? Just by I the want, hand. I want to hear your your take on the team first, and then I'm gonna jump into my hot take. Okay, so I actually think my favorite right now is the Vikings. I I I, I maybe that's a hot take. Maybe that's not, but I'll be honest with you. It they're I feel like they're pretty close. I I don't think you can lose the best receiver in the NFL and not regress. I don't think that offense is going to be nearly the same as it has been. Sure, Rodgers is gonna he's gonna protect the football, but I can't bank on a, a rookie wide receiver to be my number one just yet. Obviously, we need to we need to see that happen. What I mean, what happened? Jamar Chase. Jamar, you're right, you're right, but not everybody's Jamar Chase. Not or Justin Jefferson. Gonna, yeah, or Justin Jefferson. Not everybody's like that. So we don't know the kind of impact he's going to have. And quite frankly, I just think Minnesota's offense is, is so good, man. They are so good when they're hot. If Kirk Cousins is playing smart football and Adam Thielen stays on the field to play next to Justin Jefferson, I mean, that, that team is going gonna, is gonna to wreak havoc in that division. I, I I'm sorry, man. I'm not completely sold on the Packers. I like the Vikings this year. Let me deliver this hot take. I think the Vikings this year went 11 or 12 games if they hit their ceiling. We'll get to how they can do that in a second. But the biggest thing for them is the head coaching change. Mike Zimmer, he lost a locker room, and there comes that point at the head coach where he, he's holding the team back, and they need that 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 juice, you know, that, that thing they can insert into the locker room and it'll get the guys going again. And when you add in O'Connor... From Los Angeles, I said to myself, this is this is their time. The offense is going to take off with Justin Jefferson. O'Connor, and even Jettis has talked at length about how he's going to be used as more of a blocker, similar to Cooper Cup and what he was used as this last year in Los Angeles. And you have Dalvin Cook. Even if he's not he- healthy, Alexander Madison has shown he can produce. Kirk Cousins with a quarterback's guru, former New England Patriot. Uh, O'Connor is another one of those Patriots guys. They would just take like two rounds early in the third round with Brissett, Garoppolo. It, it's kind of funny that tradition they do every two years, but um, that's the point. I think O'Connor is going to have a massive impact for this Vikings offense. He's going to inject something into their offense. The scheme is going to improve. And then you look at the defense. Their Achilles heel last year consistently was a secondary. That killed them in the Steelers game. The Steelers almost came back from like 24, 28 points. Big Ben was picking that uh, secondary part like no tomorrow. Patrick Peterson, he's gone up there in age. And in the draft, it was like, you guys must add people in the secondary or you've automatically lost. Like, that's the biggest thing for them. They add in Lewis Sign and Andrew Booth Jr. 
uh, a guy I want the Steelers to look at. Those are two young rookies. One at safety, one at cornerback. You're just getting more depth in there. At the very least, those guys, they can start by the end of the season. And getting younger there is big. But I think the biggest X factor in this entire division is the Vikings' pass rush. You talked about Zadarius Smith. He played one game last season. Now he's in Minnesota with Danielle Hunter. And Hunter has been a two-time Pro Bowler when healthy. But he hasn't been healthy consistently the last few years. Him and Dalvin Cook have consistently been on the injured reserve. If, and there's a big if, Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter stay healthy, those are two Pro Bowl caliber edge rushers. That is one of the better pass rushes and front sevens in the NFL. If they don't, that secondary and the defense itself is going to be a much bigger issue than it should be for this team. I think that will determine whether or not they win nine games or 12. I expect the offense to be elite. Justin Jefferson's going to prove himself for the best receiver in the NFL. Kirk Cousins, I think, could have a career year as well. Everything's trending in the right direction there, but they really need those edge rushers to stay healthy. I think that's kind of going to determine how well they perform. What do you agree? Yeah, just to- uh, I'm banking on that too. So, I, like I said, man, I'm I'm all in on the Vikings right now. So give me the the horn. I'll bring it next episode then. But I got the Vikings going number one. Packers number two. Um, number three, I'm going to go to the Detroit, Detroit Lions. Uh, That's an easy one. I love the Lions, man. And I think we could all agree on the, the bottom, right? Yeah. Well, let's talk that, about the Lions a little bit. I mean, hold on, hold on, because I, I didn't get to say my piece on yeah. the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, you guys completely skipped over me because yeah. I'm going to bring you guys back to reality real quick. Okay. Jeez. So with the Vikings, everything you guys said, well, I would say most of it, 70 75, 90% of what you said was accurate, right? Huh? Brent. What? Brent to us. Come on. Oh, bring it. I thought you were saying my name. (laughs) No, bring it to us. So the team around them is absolutely, you know, stacked. They've got the players. They've got an elite duo at wide receiver and running back in Cook and uh, Jefferson. They got a very good uh, number two is basically a number one. Adam Thielen hasn't been healthy as of late. I I think it's – um. He hasn't played uh, 16 and now 17 games since 2018. So, but he'll be all right. And they still have um, uh, Alexander Mattinson as a backup if Cook is hurt, which he usually is. Uh, hopefully Irv Smith Jr. can show his potential as a tight end. He's been hurt. He, he uh, missed the whole season last year. And their defense is uh, pretty good. I like the addings that John talked about in the draft. Lewis signed and um, Andrew Booth Jr., who also – I was looking at as a hopefully a New England Patriot to be added because we needed a cornerback. And I liked that he was six foot, played for Clemson. We just needed the, the size and he was a high rated cornerback. But, uh, you know, you get what you get with New England. But back to my main point of the Minnesota Vikings. Again, I'll say it again, the quarterback. I don't believe in Kirk Cousins. The stats are phenomenal, okay? I will not argue that. His stats are up there with some of the best quarterbacks. But guess what? Those stats don't equate to winning. And it's a perfect example. His win, win-loss win uh, career record is 59-59 and 59 with two draws. Doesn't that ring a little familiar with the man we just talked about, an Eli Manning ending his career with a 500 record? That's not good. Okay, 
And you cannot tell me he hasn't been surrounded by talent in Minnesota. In Washington, okay, but that was years ago, and we're, he's in Minnesota now. The four years, I think it's four years in Minnesota, he's been surrounded by very good to elite talent. All right, he's had Stefan Diggs, uh, Latavius Murray as a backup running back for when he's had Cook for all four years. Okay. And if Cook went down, he had Latavius Murray and he had uh, Alexander Mattinson after that. He's had Thielen for all four years. He had Rudolph for three years. He had Diggs for two years. And then Justin Jefferson came in. He's had Daniel Hunter, like John talked about, Linville Joseph, Sheldon uh, Richardson, Riley Reef, Everson Griffin, Anthony Barr, Eric Hendricks. Xavier uh, Rhodes, Harrison uh, Smith, Trey Waynes. He's had the talent. And guess what? A 59 and 59 record for a career. The stats don't equate to winning. So I'm they're, they're, he, he's not proven to be a winner. He's proven to put up great stats. We know this about Kirk Cousins. He's a stats guy, but those stats don't equate to winning. And his record proves that. Well, in, in fairness to Kirk Cousins, when he signed with uh, Minnesota, that defense was expected to be a top five defense. And then when he got there, they completely regressed. So it's not like he, he when he signed, he signed there with the intention of being a Super Bowl contender with a top flight defense. And that defense never showed up. But we have seen, and, and this is where I, this is where it's the, the, the main issue is that he's putting up elite numbers, right? Okay. We've seen quarterbacks with bad defenses overcome that. He didn't overcome it. And he had the offense. I think their secondary was so bad last year. Like, there was probably like seven or eight games where it, like, absolutely killed them in the fourth quarter. They were just getting absolutely picked apart. And you know you've seen this with New England, the way Tom Brady could absolutely slice up those Steelers secondaries. That was outside of Harrison Smith. That's exactly what those Viking secondaries were at the level of. We're late in the game. because they we're, we're done around the ball. And you could absolutely slice through them. And for Kirk Cousins... I agree with you. His record actually in Minnesota, it's above 500, 33 and 29. So uh, he had that 110 six season in 2019. Four, four, four wins over but five. I'd say that only one, one winning season there. The thing with Kirk is, and I've, I've heard Vikings fans talk about it at length. Some of them overrated him, some of them are honest. He has this, this clock in his head, and especially late in games, it starts to speed up. And, you know, it gets really, really fast, and then he starts to put pressure on himself, and then he scrambles out the pocket when he shouldn't, and he should stay in there. Maybe he lines up under the wrong person under center. Whatever the case may be, it's like these these simple mistakes, which is what holds him back from being one of the 10 best quarterbacks, and so it makes him just one of the better ones. You know, he speeds up, and he, he kind of loses control in bigger moments. And I feel when you combine the secondary being absolutely torched, the injuries of a guy like Danielle Hunter and the team just hasn't been healthy. You know, even Dalvin Cook, when he's out, sure, that production can somewhat be replaced, but the threat of Dalvin, it's not there. And I think you combine those two things with Kirk naturally just not being a good quarterback in the clutch. He stresses and it doesn't even stress, I just say he tenses up and the decision making can be highly questionable. That's really what we're talking about here. And I think with the quarterback's coach that's that's worked with him, he's been one. He's been to a place with, of course, McVay in Los Angeles where he kind of has a – he's learned from the best. He has a good idea of, you know, what can elevate Kirk, how he can surround him with the – or put him in the right scheme to kind of, you know, get the most out of his strengths as a thrower. I think this is going to be his career year for him. And sure, he has all the talent and he hasn't lived up to expectation, but I would also argue Mike Zimmer wasn't the right coach for him. Like Justin talked about, the defense consistently fell off. And that was not 
what he was expecting when he was going to Minnesota. So I think for them, yeah, but O'Con- O'Connell's an offensive coordinator, so yeah. he's not gonna like. He's not expected to turn the defense around. He's expected to make the offense better, which the offense wasn't the problem. If you, which, which we all can agree on, the offense wasn't the problem. Yeah, but can it take they another step talent. forward? And also, it, I hope we don't forget that he, O'Connell wasn't even their first option. They were going hard in the paint for. Um, I always get them mixed up. Um, Jim, right? Was it Jim or John? Well, John's in Baltimore, so Jim. Jim. Okay, I always get them mixed up. Yeah. Um, so. Um, they were going hard in the paint for Harbaugh. That didn't work out for whatever reason. There's, um, you know, arguing uh, reports about maybe Harbaugh was just, you know, messing with the Vikings to get more money or whatever from Michigan or Minnesota. I didn't really like the way that Harbaugh was going about it, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that that's who their first option was. So O'Connell was their second option. So it's not like they – like if things fall off the wagon, they'll, they'll, they'll kick him to the side like nothing because – he wasn't really the guy to begin with. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes the second option works. Look at the Colts. Oh, yeah, good point. Greg, he was uh, the the backup when McDaniel said, "I'm good." So, yeah, good point. That yeah, no, I, I'm exactly I'm not I, I'm not saying that. Good. I'm saying though, but like if he doesn't succeed, they have no problem just kicking to the curb uh, to the curb after one or one year, maybe. You think if he so? doesn't succeed, they might just say, "You know what? You were in our first option, so." And we've seen that where people get coaches get fired after one terrible season, they're gone. But Zimmer had a longer leash. No, I know Zimmer had a longer leash, but I would imagine I, I don't remember exactly when he got signed, but they, he was probably their number one option when they were going after him. That, that that's what I'm saying is, I'm not saying he's not going to succeed. I'm saying he wasn't their first option, so therefore he wasn't their like their guy that they were like, this is the guy we want to hitch our wagon to. Mm-hmm. They just had to because Harbaugh and them couldn't come to an agreement to whatever. That's wild. But that's not even my main point. My main point about Minnesota is Kirk Cousins. And until that is fixed. But you know what? I mean, looking around the league, find me a a quarterback that that you'd rather have in Minnesota right now. Outside of obviously the the top flight QBs, I'd say Kirk Cousins is right up there. I don't I don't think he's one that you just throw away and think that you could plug anybody into this offense and be super successful, you know? Would I don't, you rather we rather Dak? Yeah. Matt Ryan. I'll take Kirk. Baker? Matt. Kirk. Baker. Tannehill? Kirk. I want to take Kirk, but Kirk is just it's listen. I, I question uh, I question the winning, the winning, the intangibles. intangibles. Yeah. yeah, that's what I question, really. The late game stuff. Okay, that's that's. It, if there's a quarterback that I'm really worried about, <laughs> since we spent time on Minnesota, we can jump to the Lions here. I'm worried about Jared Goff. I, I don't, man. I first off to to just harp on the Lions. I love their wide receiver core right now. I'm a big fan of it. If DJ Chark is healthy. Top that with Jameson Williams and, and then Sam Brown, bro. That that's a legit core. And TJ, dude, yeah, TJ. DeAndre Swift, yeah. yeah, those two as well. Exactly. Oh, you forgot. I think uh, Jameson Williams. No, I said Jameson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jamal Williams. Bama. Jamal Williams is a pretty Jamal big Williams back for them for as when well. Swift, uh, Swift goes down. Yeah. So so, but I'm, I'm looking at that, and that's a team that I'm like, man, they're a real quarterback away from having a really explosive offense. 
I don't think I think Jared Goff is gonna just hold them back a little bit. Mr. Perfect? He's, he's, huh? Mr. Perfect? Yeah, he's not. He's far from Mr. Perfect. So I would I would just say about right the Lions. So when I was going over them, right? Like I would just without without looking at their team, or whatever. If you ask me, what do you think about the Lions? I would say, okay, they're 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 ter- they're a bad team. All right, like I'm not even worrying about the Lions. But when I actually look at their team, right? I say I like the players we just mentioned and Swift, Williams, uh, well, both Williams, I guess, uh, Jamison Williams, and Jamal Williams, uh, St. Brown, DJ Chark, if he's healthy, right? And uh, we forgot TJ Hawkinson as a tight end, who I think is probably fifth or sixth top tight end in the league right now. Um, but I also really like that O-line. Decker at tackle, Joan at guard, Ragnall at center, and uh, their, I think, sixth overall pick last year in uh, Penny Sewell. I really uh, golf. Golf's not going to, you know, be this elite quarterback or this great quarterback or really good. He's a he's a solid starting caliber quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. But if you want to take to the next level, like Justin said, he's not going to get you there. You need somebody better. And I really like. I love the coach. I want to say that Dan Campbell. I love Dan Campbell. I love. The energy, I love the passion, I love the intensity that he brings. You can feel that he loves this and wants this to succeed badly. So I'm rooting for him. I really, really am rooting for him. And I'm I'm rooting for the Detroit Lions fan base because they have been dealt a bag of crap for however many years they've been a franchise. Um and, and even just to touch on the defense a little bit, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson, second overall pick this year out of Michigan. That kid, he's got a lot of promise. So, you know, we'll see. Spirit is the word that I think of when I, when I hear Dan Campbell. You know, that, that, that intensity that he brings, I think it's huge for any young team. And you guys got a case in point with Jared Goff. He has moments, though. Like, there was one game last year where he was legitimately playing at the level of Aaron Rodgers. And then all came falling apart, all came crashing down the second half. But there are those moments, and you like you my last year, outside of Amon Ross St. Brown, he really didn't have those weapons. Mm. So now you add in two receivers. I know Jameson Williams, he got hurt in the national championship. He's probably not going to be available until, like, what, past midseason? But I say, DJ Chark, he's going to be coming in as well. You have all the weapons around him. You have the <clears> offensive <throat> line. Detroit is doing all the right things. And what I love most is the fact that they didn't take a quarterback this last year. They didn't take Malik Willis, who's an older prospect that's still a huge prospect or project at 23 years old. Mm-hmm. They're waiting a year. And I think for them, while they're going to be even more competitive this season, I had them winning six to seven games. There is a chance as well. They end up with a top five pick. They move up and they, they go after a Bryce Young or one of those young quarterbacks that can be their franchise guy. And maybe Jared Goff sticks around for a year. He rehabilitates his value as, you know, that stopgap backup slash, you know, veteran that's going to, you know, help the young quarterback get going, and then he can go somewhere else. Then you have that year with the veteran who's made two Pro Bowls. That means something, probably as a replacement, if I don't remember off the top of my head. Then the young guy, you continue adding more picks to that defensive unit. The offensive line is going to be one of the very best in the NFL. You have all these weapons. I think there is that culture shift in Detroit. And where it begins with is management and, of course, Dan Campbell. I mean, it's it's awesome. I want to see him succeed so badly. I mean, like, if he fails, yeah. even as a Steeler fan, it's going to break my heart. But 
with the way they're, they're, they're trending, I have a hard time saying to myself, so long as they get this quarterback in the next two years, they're going to be fine. They're going to be in really good shape. And when you look at Aaron Rodgers' age, look at the Bears are about to crap on. Yeah, I say in three to four years, the Lions will be the team right in the north. It's got to get the quarterback. I think that's the next step for them. And even with Jared Goff, you can make the playoffs. We've seen that. And I think people are about too hard on the guy. You know, 2020, when he was dealing with the thumb issue, people are thinking, oh, he's getting benched. I think kind of like Jimmy G, we, we give him a, a, a tough time. But, like, this is a legitimate starter. I don't think he's one of the five worst. He's better than all those young guys. I would mm. have him probably around 22, 21. I think he's better than Jimmy G. I think he's old, you know? And he's, he's been to a Super Bowl. Sure, I mean, people are going to crap on him and all that, but, like, Todd Gurley falling apart, but I would attribute more to them collapsing versus New England than him. That's just my take. Now, do you guys have anything else to add before we go into <laughs> Chicago? Okay, I want to make that quick and short. No, oh, so I, I love the Lions, though. Like, I'm with you guys. I think uh, Motor City Dan Campbell is really just just changing how we look at the Detroit Lions. They play tougher, and, and he brings – he had some crazy quotes in the beginning of the year. Loved it. I, I know he was getting scrutinized for it, but I, I loved every bit of it. So I, I, I watch the Lions right now, and much like I, I view my Knicks, um, they're a team that I feel like has direction. For the first time in a while, we're like, okay, oh, they're building something here, something uh, to actually feel optimistic about. Yeah, you, you could feel optimistic about the Detroit Lions. Now I could say, all right, I don't mind watching them this Thanksgiving. You know, and other, every other year, I felt kind of forced to watch right. them now. Now I'm kind of excited to see what this offense can be. So, yeah, I'm with you guys, man. Detroit is on the up and up. Third place team this year, but in the years to come, Aaron Rodgers, we don't know how long he he has left, and Kirk Cousins probably won't be the quarterback in Minnesota for too long. The Those lines are coming, man. Motor City's on the rise. No not sports. like the Bears. Though. You know who's not on the rise, though? The Chicago. Chicago. Oh, Chicago, Chicago. How I feel for you and how I mourn for you. It's just, I think I used that right. I might have used that wrong, whatever. I'm just, I just feel bad for Chicago because, like um, we were talking about before the show, Chicago is, it is a sports city, sports town. Like they bleed sports. They love their bulls. They love their Bears. I don't know who their baseball team is because I don't follow baseball that much. The Cubs and White The Cubs, that is my bad. Once you said it, I feel stupid that I didn't know that (laughs) because my grandma was a Cubs fan. I apologize, Chicago Cubs fans, for that. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel for this, um, um, the city of Chicago, right? Because, man, do they love – they love their freaking sports. And – the Bulls haven't really – I mean, they have that Derrick Rose era. Right now, we'll get into it in our NBA episodes. This is an all right team. I, I liken it to the Atlanta Hawks back in uh, 2015 or whatever. But that's besides the point. So, and Chicago Bears, I mean, you, you could argue their two best quarterbacks in Chicago Bears history is Jim McMahon and Jay Cutler. And that is just – that's not good. Okay, that that's just not good is the nicest way I can put it. You got Justin Fields who's got some talent. Will we ever see that talent fulfilled? I don't think so in Chicago. Maybe he gets another shot in another team. We'll see. They don't have a lot of talent uh, around him. I think David Montgomery 
possibly their best offensive player. Mm-hmm. Well, you got Darnell Mooney as well. Yeah. Can I, can I just blast their – so I've seen a lot of Bears fans saying, dude, why are people – like, they say this every year at the Bears. So, like, come on. This team is so bad, and I'm so underwhelmed by their offseason. And where it starts is with Ryan Pace. He was just so damaging his tenure with all the transactions he made from moving up one pick to get Trubisky to going all in for Justin Fields when there was basically no support to surround him in coaching – running game and even weapons because Alan, Alan Robinson had no chemistry with him. And then they throw him at there immediately. Of course, Matt Nagy was, you know, pretty terrible hire. I think Vic Fangio deserves more credit for that defense. Signing the main point. The damage of that was they had so little resources in this year's draft that there was so little support for your gun quarterback. And it's sad. I feel bad for Bears fans because they kind of just had to accept this. Let's talk about their weapons. Darnell Mooney was awesome last season. Gets to a thousand yards. Terrific young receiver that they got. On day two? No, day three. Day three, right? Mm-hmm. So I think Mooney's awesome. I think he's going to have a lot of touches, a lot of targets this year. That's great. Then you look at, like, this team's X Factor. Let's look at some of the other weapons. So David Montgomery, he's a high-volume, low or low-efficiency guy. High-volume, low-efficiency. It's you know, not ideal. And the offensive, offensive line's terrible. Look at the weapons. Traded Stone from Nikhil Harry. I thought that was solid. You know, take a flyer on him. So now his... uh. Justin's second to fourth weapons are Byron Pringle, a 25-year-old rookie, and Valus Jones, and Nikhil Harry. Bad. That's not getting it done. That's, they have one of the worst offensive bad. lines in the game, and uh, they made sure to get a conservative coaching hire and a defensive coordinator from Indianapolis to make sure he's properly supported. So they're <laughs> going to be in great shape. And then you look at their schedule, it's not impossible, you know, but I think this team will be lucky to win more than two games. There is just... Nothing on this offense outside Darnell Mooney. I think Cole Komet, really good receiving tight end. But, I mean, the offensive line is so bad. You lose James Daniels, your best offensive lineman to Pittsburgh. You don't address the receiver in the draft. Sure, you maybe add some guys for depth moving forward. But you still trade your best player in Khalil Mack, who they invested a ton into. That's another one of those highly damaging moves by Ryan Pace. I think Ryan Poles, he's doing a fine job given the situation he stepped into. This is a terrible, I mean, awful position he's just being thrust into to save this franchise justin field is being set up to fail absolutely there's no other way to put it and i think while well, he's got the talent he's got the athleticism i'm a Steeler fan he had really good moments in that game leading a comeback drive before stolen away from him i don't know how he's going to succeed here if they don't figure this out in the next year i think they have one season we saw sam Darnold in new york once you get past that second year i mean it's all downhill and that quarterback's continuing to struggle and i, I think if he has a poor year like he did last year, it's a pretty bad rookie year of the second half. Yeah, I mean, the Bears, I wouldn't be surprised um, if they're already looking to move on. And I don't think that's right necessarily, but I think a lot of people are going to jump the gun saying this dude's a bust. And while I think he's got the potential, I'm not out on him at all. The most important thing for a young quarterback is saying them up to succeed. You look at Alex Smith, Baker Mayfield. Those mm-hmm. guys were terrible until he got the, the, the support around them. You look at Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Even Ben, Ben sat a few weeks, I think one week, uh, not a great example. But Roger sat three years behind a Hall of Famer. And Kirk Cousins, if you're not sitting behind that guy and you're also starting without any support, the likelihood of that quarterback actually living up to his potential or fulfilling anything near that, it's so unlikely. Dak Prescott, he came in a, a week one, but he had the best offensive line in the NFL, a great running back yeah. and some good weapons. 
I think it's it's just unrealistic and naive to say, frankly, Justin Fields is going to succeed with the support. Like I said, I think Mooney's really good, but now he's number one. So all of those opportunities that are kind of being granted to him because defenses are paying closer attention to Allen Robinson, that's gone. He is the main man. That's what defenses are focusing on. Justin, I know you're high on Byron Pringle. Do you think he's going to be the X factor? I think. Uh, um, no, no, not at all. I, honestly, I, I'm. That's funny though. You definitely made me laugh. But I, I'm looking at the Bears. Have you guys ever seen the SpongeBob episode where uh, there's just nothing but chaos going in, on in his brain, and they're just they're throwing fire, shredding papers, and all that yeah. stuff. I, 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 when I think of that, I think of the Bears front office right now. Uh, I think it's a total disaster. I don't think there's a quarterback in the league more set up for failure than Justin Fields is. And that's a lot coming from somebody who's supporting Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars right now, who just came off of Urban Meyer and the disaster that was. So the Bears are, are, are really at the bottom of the barrel for all of us, I think. But I feel bad, man. I really feel bad. I, I'm looking at that quarterback draft. You see Mac Jones, you see T-Law, you see... Zach Wilson, you couldn't have plugged any one of them into that Bears situation last year and expected any one of them to succeed. It's it's an absolute disaster. I just I laugh because just in 2018, I honestly thought they were Super Bowl contenders right there. If it wasn't for Cody Parkey missing a field goal with that defense, that they had an actual opportunity. That and then since then it's just literally gone, gone south. An absolute disaster. I don't even want to talk about the Bears anymore. I'm getting depressed. <laughs> oh, this comment that defense of yesteryear is not walking through that door anytime soon. <laughs> I'm afraid not. <laughs> God. Chicago, Chicago. Damn, best. You know what? It's, let, let's stop talking about the, the, the doo-doo franchise that the Bears are right now. And let's talk about something good. Let, let's get into our all-time draft. What, did you have anything else left to say? No, I can breathe now. Oh, okay, yeah. So let, let's get into Flip our all-time draft. Flip the script draft. real quick. John, break it down. How are we going, going about this? So let me know what you guys think. So the way this is going to work is once you pick a player, he's off the board, and we're trying to draft the greatest possible team. We're going to do for the offense. We're going to go quarterback, halfback, slash running back. We're going to go all the way to NFL history, if you like. Wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver number two tight end, and we're just going to pick our favorite all-offensive line. It could be one you didn't watch, one you watched. I'm going to stick to the ones I've actually seen. That's that, that's going to be the, the basic compass of this now. Picking the order, Brandon, do you want to kick us off with a with a certain dice roll or a coin flip? Okay. Here we go. All right, so I'll roll for Justin first, all right? On the floor. Uh, Justin, you got one. Ah, I got the first pick in the draft. Nice. No, that's not. John, for you. Two. Nice. Not rigged. Picks for Brandon. So I have first pick. That's what I said. Third last Justin time. third. You can repeat that so we got it for TikTok. I cut you off. I go first. John second. Justin third. Do you guys want to do snake style? Last time, we, we didn't snake last time, so we can do snake style this time. Okay, okay. okay so Justin has two picks in a row. Okay, so from my first pick in the all-time NFL draft, it ain't a shocker. It ain't a surprise. It's my boy. It's my quarterback, Thomas 
Edward Patrick Brady Jr. Go. That's so easy. You couldn't just be Not like even me. even a question. You take the goat of goats. You couldn't be like me and just nope. pull a rabbit out of the hat. No Derek yeah, Carr. Sure. Let me take um, <laughs> let me take um, Terrell Pryor. <laughs> no, no. Tom Brady. Brandon's team. Book it. Johnny boy, your turn. Right, oh, it's my turn? I thought it was Justin's. No, you're second. Okay. Ooh. Cool, cool. So, there's so many different places we can go here. You can go offensive so line early. You yep. can go quarterback. But you know what? We're talking about all those great quarterbacks. We're going to save that. We're going to go Jerry Rice, number Ooh. two overall. When we talk about longevity, Tom Brady's number one. You got Adam Vinatieri. Um, you know how many uh, 40-year-olds have uh, caught a touchdown or a football? Three. Tom Brady, Brett Favre, and Jerry Rice. Now, Unlike those guys, Jerry, uh, he was a pro bowler and over 1,000 yards past the age of 40. And he played three years, well over 2,000 yards. When you talk about longevity, this dude was an absolute stud deep into his 30s. It wasn't just in San Francisco. I mean, Oakland, whatever you wanted. Jerry, to me, was the greatest football player of all time before Tom. Um, and people are not going to agree with that. When you talk about longevity, doing it that long, I, I think his career speaks for itself. Jerry Rice, number two. So I get back-to-back picks here. Yes, you do, right. sir. Just, just let you know if we if we brought this into creation, I into into a Madden or something like that, I I'd win. So my first pick, I'm gonna go with the sheriff. Cannot go wrong. I'm gonna go Peyton Manning, the second greatest quarterback of all time. If if my cousin Timothy heard that, he would argue he is the number one greatest quarterback of all time. Take a seven-time All-Pro, fourteen-time Pro Bowler two-time champ, MVPs out the wazoo. Give me Peyton Manning leading my offense. And since I'm up again, my favorite wide receiver that I've ever taken. I'm not going with the greatest. I'm going with my favorite. It's Calvin Johnson. I'll take Megatron any day of the week. On his best day, there's not too many people better than him. Then I want to add one thing we didn't get into it. We're doing only offensive units here. We're going to do a part two for defense. I forgot to say that in the beginning. Offense only yes. for this. Yes. No disrespect to the defensive players. We will get to you. That means John, John, boy, your John's turn. up, right? My turn? Yes. Oh, boy. I'm, then I get back I'm filling out my phone or our picks thus far. So, okay. I'll give it to you. Calvin Johnson. I didn't expect him to go number four overall, but. Neither did I. That's not a bad pick, though. But because... Johnny, but Justin, Justin's, uh, he's a, he, he likes to play to the beat of his own drum. Mm, that's right. He lets the board speak to him, Brandon. That's what he does. Yes, let the board speak. Okay. So, man. what's the board telling you, John? The board's telling me to take Randy Moss. That's what it's telling me to do, and that's exactly. But is that what you're do. going with? I'm gonna take Randy Moss here. I when hate you talk you. about receivers. I want you to go to a river. And jump in it and don't come out. I'm gonna have the greatest receiver duo ever, ever with the no. two greatest wide receivers. Justin, thank you. I, I say that to you. I'll take my quarterback after because unless you guys want to take a backup quarterback, what we got how many picks here? Seven picks? You can take a backup and just have no offensive line. I'll take Randy Moss. Yep. Randy Moss. Yep. Damn it. 
I guess we're all going to save running backs for last, right? Uh, no, we'll see. I hate you. <laughs> Passion. <laughs> I was about to get my back-to-back perfect picks. You're lucky Justin Lathan for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Hold on. I have a uh, – okay. I have a uh... – All right, so with mine first, pick. Or my second pick, actually, of my back-to-back. My first pick of my back-to-back picks. I'm taking wide receiver, Mr. Whatever you want to call him. Some people call him T.O. Terrell Owens. All right. Third greatest wide receiver of all time, in my opinion. I'm not mad at having T.O., five-time first-team All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowler, 15,934 yards, 153 touchdowns, Pro Football Hall of Famer, should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, but the Hall of Fame committee was messing with him and bringing off the field bull crap into the what he did on the field, which should never have happened. What was that for? Doing like sit-ups in the parking lot and calling Donovan McNabb fat? Because yeah, because he was a because he was a team, uh he destructed his teams, but okay. He didn't. He was the best player on that Eagles offense when they when they went to the Super Bowl and he was playing on a broken freaking leg. But they called him selfish for that, right? They called him selfish for that. Yeah. Okay. I'll take Terrell Owens on my team with Tom Brady. All right. And for my second pick. Wait. Oh, you, oh I forgot we're doing a snake. Damn. Yeah, I got my back to bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm bad, my bad. All right. I already got cheated out of Randy Moss. All right. You ain't cheating me out of my guy. I'm bad. I'm taking running back now. I'm taking my greatest running back of all time. I'm taking sweetness, Walter Payton. Okay. Talk about a running back that could do it all. You want him to run between the tackles, he got you. You want him to run outside the tackles, he got you. He want You want him to blow by you, truck you, stiff arm you, juke you out your shoes, hurdle you, catch the ball out of the backfield, block for your quarterback. He can do it all. And most valuable player in 1977, NFL Offensive Player of the Year in 1977, NFL Man of the Year. I know you guys love that in 1977. Had an award named after him, the Walter Payton Award. Five-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, nine-time Pro Bowler, NFL Rushing Yards Leader. Had the had the record for most yards rushing in a in a career until Emmitt Smith passed him because he wanted to. This man, in my opinion, is unstoppable, and I've only watched highlights of him, but from what I've saw and from what the uh, older guys have told me, this man was next level. Okay. Respect. At least we got some Bears positivity in this episode, right? The first Ain't no disrespect in Walter Payton. There you go. That's a fact. Go ahead, Johnny. You're boy. up again, John. Oh, okay. Sounds like how do I? Find you know, that? I find you know what I find funny about this is that I guess I think so outside of the box that I'm not even worried about any of my people being taken. I'm not. Nobody's thinking the way I'm thinking. So <laughs> you know, they're not. a wild card party constantly involved. 
Okay. Um, John has a decision. Does he go running back or does he go quarterback? Or does he build the O-line? I can take my time here. I think we need two running backs. You guys want to do that? In today's days, we have receiving backs. We have. Yeah, I got you. Oh, for running back, I'm torn, y'all. Oh, I'm really torn, dude. This is hard. I feel like a. I feel like I'm betraying the other. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I'm going Jim Brown. Jim Brown. When we talk about uh, dominance in an era where defenses were built to stop the run, he led the NFL in all but a, one of his nine seasons in rushing yards. Pro Bowler every year. When we talk about speed, everything, Jim Brown, one of the Giants, or not the Giants, the Browns a Super Bowl. Uh, not a Super Bowl, excuse me, an NFL championship. Yeah, I was going to say, they're not winning any Super Bowls. But when we talk about the MVP, the greatest Cleveland Brown at that time where that, that franchise was the very best. Give me Jim Brown. And, oh, if he could take two running backs, I'm going for Barry Sanders right after. But you can't because it's Justin's pick. Yep. Don't worry. I don't want Barry Sanders anyway. Yeah, that's why I said. <laughs> All right. So uh, before I make this pick, we're not taking personality into. Contact. I just took Terrell Owens. We're not taking personality. Yeah, so we're throwing personality out the door. Oh, this guy, I know who he's taking. Oh my God. All right, make the pick. I want to I want to see if we're on the same page. Johnny Boy's guy. A B. Damn right. Wow. I'm going with A B. A Wow, dude. Yes. I don't it's not that wow, man. It's this guy is easily one of the greatest wide receivers we've ever seen. Top of his game. When he's actually on the field, I think he he has been the most unguardable receiver we've seen in a very long time. You could always count on him to give you double-digit touchdowns. He's given you more than – let me see. Let me get this accurately. He was giving you more than 1,300 yards on average in his prime. The dude's an absolute monster reception machine. He can take the top off the defense. He can tear you up. From top to bottom, I love AB. Do you want him to return tail? Sure, why not? He could kick somebody in the face for me. He could kick a punter. And like his first touch in the NFL, I'm pretty sure is like a kick return to the house against Tennessee. The dude always was special. I I'll be honest, you know him and Julio. Those are the two guys. Um, maybe I'm getting brand ideas. I don't worry about. Eh, maybe you would. Um, I didn't really expect them to be taken that soon. Uh, that's just how my mind works. But they're two top ten receivers <laughs> to me all the time. Yeah, I think I, I think uh, AB is gonna get a lot of crap for how he is as a as a person outside of football, but on the field, I've never seen a more dynamic player at that size, man. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh. So I, I'll take AB, and I'm a short I'm a short man myself, so I'm gonna stick with the short kings, yep. and uh, I'm gonna go running back, and I'm going with LT. Mm. But Danian Tomlinson, love him, man. Always loved him watching as a kid. Watching him as a kid, twenty-eight touchdowns in a single season. This dude was just racking up yards, racking up TDs. If I'm not mistaken, let me get the accurate number from 01 to 2009. He tallied 138 total touchdowns on the ground. 
that guy was a, a, a machine in every aspect of the game. And I, I'd take LT on my team any day. And imagine pairing that with Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson, and AB. I mean, it's nice to dream, but man, LT was legit. So yeah, it's not that crazy, right? I'm not going that crazy today. The first one, but yeah, solid. Okay. Okay. Well, you left Barry boy. Sanders, so I'm taking Barry. Go I don't really. Uh, I don't really. To me, those are the two greatest running backs of all time. So now that I have Moss and Jerry Rice, and now Jim Brown and Barry, oh, I can't wait to take my <laughs> quarterback next. Where am I tight end? We'll see. I don't know. You t- you just took Barry Sanders? Yep. Yep. You're not gonna say anything about him, or Barry Sanders' birthday was yesterday. Happy fifty fourth. He is, unfortunately, never got to watch him play. The greatest line of all time. Only played nine years in the NFL. And even in those nine years, over 18,000 yards. And he's, like Jim Brown, one of, I believe, two players to average five yards a carry or more. Great human being. Awesome football player. And, I mean, this is a guy who led the NFL in rushing four times. Literally averaged 99.8 99.8 rushing yards a game. Think about how insane that is on a crappy Lions team where he was the dude. They didn't have a quarterback. They didn't have much. They had nothing outside of him. And even still, to me, the greatest running back right there, Walter and Jim. Dude, one of the biggest what ifs I think is easily like, what if you went to like a halfway decent franchise? You know, he only played in the, the, the playoffs five times, six playoff games, and his career could have been so much more if he went to a actual proven team it's disappointing but barry's one at one sir brandon you're up okay so back-to-back picks again and for the first one i'm going to take a wide receiver and i'm going to take the legend himself larry fitzgerald Mm. All right, talk about consistency. Talk about a man who has more career tackles than drops. Talk about hands that won't stop. Here's just a a list of every quarterback who's thrown a pass to Larry Fitzgerald, right? So the first two are the good, good to elite quarterbacks that he's played with, and that's where the list ends, and that's Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer, right? That's where it ends, though. Then he's Josh McCowan. John Skelton, Matt Leinert, Kevin Kolb, Cobb, whatever, Derek Anderson, Drew Stanton, Blaine Gabbert, Sean King, John Navari, Richard Bartell, Brian St. Pierre, and Max Hall. Just, I mean, the man who didn't play with a consistent quarterback for a long time and the numbers he was able to put up. I think he's second all time to Jerry Rice in receiving yards with 17,492. I mean, talk about consistency, Larry Fitzgerald. I'll take him all day. He's not going to cause me any drama whatsoever. He's going to be there every single play. He's going to do what he can for the team. And can you imagine Tom Brady with a Larry Fitzgerald, who I would argue is one of the smartest receivers to ever play the game. And with those hands, what he and Larry can play in the slot. So I got 
T.O. on the outside and Larry Fitzgerald in the slot, stop it, okay? And now we're going to make this offense unstoppable. This is okay? where he steals my pick. At tight end. No, I'm not. Because I think you forgot who my oh, guy yeah, is. Oh, yeah, you're right. All right, take him. My please. guy, Loudmouth, Big Play Shay, Unk, Shannon Sharp. All right? Talk about speed. Talk about toughness. Talk about what you need from a guy to make the team better and to win. Blocking, he will do that. And the numbers that Shannon Sharp and Tom Brady could put up, stop it. Okay. Stop it. Let's see what John has. I have a lot of options, as always. Mm, okay. So we're going to go ahead. <sighs> I feel like I'm disrespecting Heath Miller by not taking him here. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that? Don't you just pull the Justin. <laughs> pull the Justin. I that did not so expect tough. that. Wait, is it official? Nah, don't do it. You're an idiot. Go this ahead, guy, do this it. Guy you know what, do it. For so long. Go ahead, just do it. Okay. Go. Rob Gronkowski spent a year of high school in Pittsburgh. So that because of that, we're going to go ahead and take Tony Gonzalez <laughs> as my pick. Because I'm not taking uh, Gronk. I've had so much pain by that man. Ooh, we're talking about longevity. Tony G, I mean, to me, we had this discussion, I think, on our first or second episode. Is Gronk the, first, the, the best tight end of all time? He has, I think, to me, the, the dominance. Like, no one can go with that guy. That's obvious. But Tony, 14-time Pro Bowler, that's insane for a tight end. I said this before, he led the NFL in yards a touch. That is also nuts. And this guy's what? A one, two, three, four, five-time All-Pro. First team. They also made the second team one, two, three, four times. Oh, no, he made the, the All-Pro. Bro, he was All-Pro first team at 36. Think about that. Mm-hmm. It's insane. The dominance for 20 years almost, 17. I mean, this guy is one of one. He wasn't dominant his first few years in the league, wasn't a pro bowler until year three, but Tony G, man, y'all thought I was going with Gronk, but no. Nah. That was tough for the tight end, man. Ooh, that, was, that was, I went back and forth, but yeah, those three guys are the okay. options. Justin gets his boy. Uh, I'm going to, obviously, since we're all taking tight ends, you know where I'm going. I'm going with my boy, Robbie G. I think healthy, I don't think there's a better tight end out there in his prime the most dominating tight end to ever step on a field. He may not be the fastest, but he could impact the game, both blocking and receiving. I, I look back, I remember his, his second year in the league, 1,300, and, 1300 yards, 17 touchdowns. And, Jesus, man. How did we not win a Super Bowl that year of Gronk playing that well? I think we have four or five seasons where he was cut short due to injury. And it's, it's one of the big what-ifs to me. It's just like, I don't feel like it's much of a debate if he is healthy in those seasons. I've seen it firsthand. That's why I'm... Just a you have another pick, Justin. I do have another pick. I'm, I'm down to one more, right? You got a running back, a backup running back, I guess, and an O-line. 
Okay, so you know what? Uh, I'll save it for the I'll save old line for last, and I'm gonna go with my boy all day, Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson was an absolute monster, bro. There was only one thing that ever got me mad about Adrian Peterson. Okay, one thing: the year he almost ran for well, he ran for two thousand yards, almost broke the record. Right? I drafted him the next year in fantasy. I was disappointed. I did not. <laughs> I thought I was gonna. I was a little kid, man. I, I was how how long ago was that? Twenty twelve. So okay. I wasn't in my right frame of mind, I guess, but I thought that this guy was going to rush for 2,000 yards almost every season. So when I did not get that same impact the next year, I was kind of annoyed. But I love Adrian Peterson, whether it be watching him on TV or playing with him on a damn video game, there was nobody more unstoppable than him, running straight through linemen, trucking linebackers. I remember one video, I used to love watching his highlight tapes where he absolutely murked some dude on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just had to throw that one out there for you. Like, just put him on his ass. And I loved every second of it. Strongest guy out there. It's just, I wish he was still playing right now. I want him on a team. I love watching Adrian Peterson. That was a rough Sunday for William Gay. <laughs> yeah. right, Johnny boy, you taking your QB or O-line now? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm watching the clip right now. I mean, he just absolutely like, destroys. Third and four. Favre hits him with a little check down. And William Gay, oh, my God, he went so high. And then he tries to grab his leg after him. He gets <laughs> off me. And he just takes it for, like, 25 yards. And then after, he was going between the legs. Oh, my goodness. Good night. Okay. Oh. I'm taking Joe Montana. Pittsburgh roots, baby. You know. Joe Montana? I, just, I can't pass up the opportunity to, to pair up Jerry Rice and Joe. As much as I want to take Big Ben here, I mean. I have to go, Joe. Cool, Joe. That's that's where the nickname, uh, the second iteration of it came from. Shout out to, to Namath. This right here to me was the best quarterback before Brady. You talk about dominance, talk about Super Bowls, Super Bowl MVPs. I mean, he if Jerry Weiss wasn't the greatest of all time, I, I think it was Joe Montana before Brady. So to have those two playing together, you add even more weapons. Oh, man, I'm, I'm taking that any day of the week. Okay, that's fair. So Brennan gets his final two picks back to back. So I'll start with my backup running back, and I think it's just the uh, can I perfect you guy. Huh. Uh, just just a quick question for the both of you guys. Uh, so the quarterbacks we took were Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Joe Montana. Yeah. Did any of you at all consider Aaron Rodgers? Like, I, if, you, if you had that third pick, would you have thought about him at all? I actually considered Murray now before him. I didn't consider really? Rodgers. Yeah. Okay. You two run for me. No. Okay. Just, just Brady, Montana, and Manning were the top three for me. All right. Um, with Rodgers and Breeze as uh, four and five. Okay. Um, but the guy that I'm going to pair up with Brady as the backup running back that I think is just a match made in heaven, arguably the greatest receiving back of all time, former MVP, three time offensive player of the year, offensive rookie of the year, three time first team all pro. Three times second team, led the league in rushing, two time NFL scoring leader, seven time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion. I'm talking Marshall Falk. All right. Like that. Marshall Falk with Brady out the backfield, those screen passes, the unstoppable, the flat routes, the wheel routes, 
He, hell, you could line him up at wide receiver and spread it out five wide with him, and he'll do his job. Perfection. And as for my final pick for the O-line, now I want clarification. So am I picking one offensive lineman or am I picking an offensive line unit? Yeah, unit from any time in history. It doesn't have to be the exact Okay, so year. I'm picking the 2011-12 New England Patriots offensive line. With left tackle, I got him off the top of my head. With left tackle, Mike, um, Matt Light, left guard, Logan Mankins, center, Dan Coppin, right guard, Brian Walters, or uh, Walters, I think, or Waters, Waters, sorry, Brian Waters, and right tackle, tackle I think, was Sebastian Vollmer. I'll take that O line right there. All Pro Bowl caliber players. Who is the center? And higher. Huh? Who is the center? Dan Coppin. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty nice. That was Brady's best O-line year. Yeah. I think Sebastian Volmer was the starter of that year. Yes, yeah, Sebastian Volmer. Yeah. Right tackle. Yeah. How do you like them apples? Yeah, I think I got it. I'm waiting. Listen, is it um, my turn? Oh, is it? Yeah, my it's, turn? it's on you. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is um. Damn. Do I do I really do? I'm not going with the Cowboys' offensive line here. I'm sorry. Okay. So, for me, this offensive line is so 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 forgotten, but it's also amazing. And the reason why is because there's a unit in Dallas that was a little bit better, I'll admit, but. This unit, when it, when it comes to pass protection, oh, give me the 2000 and let me get my year right. 2000 and oh, wait, no, that was the year of Chris Hubbard. I don't want that season. No, 2016 Steelers offensive line, Alejandro Villanueva at left tackle, right before he really started to develop into a legitimate pro bowler. Left guard Ramon Foster, never a pro bowler, but consistently just absolute stud. LF guard, center Marquise Pouncey. This was right at his peak. Right guard, Dio DiCastro, right at his peak. And right tackle, Marquise Gilbert. Just the guy that got the job done. He wasn't a pro bowler either. When it comes to him and Foster, consistently two of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. They did an awesome job. And then those years, man, he was he was having a good time in the pocket because that offensive line was top notch. I loved it. They're going to give Barry and Jim so much time. Oh, my God. Okay. DeCastro is going to be an absolute monster pulling, just wiping guys to oblivion. Let me tell you. Ooh. All right. It's my turn now, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Back to back. Or no, you're oh, last. This is, this is it. Yeah. That's it. O-line. All right. No, no. I, I want to read some stats to you guys for this last pick. This running back. This, don't worry. I'm not drafting a running back. I know this. But he, he ran for... In his, first, in his rookie season, 1,117 yards with seven touchdowns. Second season, he ran for 1,538 yards and 13 touchdowns. Third season, 1,750 yards with 15 touchdowns. And his fourth, he ran for 2,008 yards and 21 rushing touchdowns. Any of you guys know who that running back is? Smith? No. Terrell Davis? Correct. Mm. Terrell Davis. Behind that O-line, he was averaging 
almost four plus yards a carry. So easily, I'm going to take the late 90s Broncos over over anybody. The two Super Bowls in 98 and 99, they were protected. They were running running the doors off of teams. Uh, Gary Zimmerman, Tom Nalen, Tony Jones, Mark Schlereth, who we see on TV all the time, and Brian Habib. They got a Hall of Famer on that line. So I don't know, man. Watch If, if you can run for that many yards and John Elway be able to throw dimes the way he was back then, I'd take the uh, – the 90s Broncos, that late 90s Broncos O-line. That entire left side of three Pro Bowlers. Mm. So that concludes our all-time offensive draft. So just to recap for my team, quarterback Tom Brady, running backs Walter Payton and Marshall Falk, wide receivers Terrell Owens and Larry Fitzgerald, tight end Shannon Sharp, Offensive line, the 2011-2012 New England Patriots. Okay, my team, quarterback Joe Montana. We got the Pittsburgh Roots. Halfback one, Jim Brown. Halfback two, Barry Sanders. Wide receiver number one, Jerry Rice. Wide receiver number two, Randy Moss. Tight end, Tony Gonzalez. And offensive line, the 2016 Pittsburgh Steelers. My my lineup. You know what's funny about my lineup? The only thing that was different in my notes because I anticipated myself getting Tom Brady. I don't know why I thought I was getting the number one pick, but that was the only thing. I got everybody I wanted. My O line, late '90s Broncos, tight end Rob Gronkowski, running backs LT and Adrian Peterson, quarterback Peyton Manning, and my wide receivers Calvin Johnson and AB. So now that I mentioned my wide receivers, Calvin Johnson and AB. Randy Moss, they were top five receivers in the league for a long period of time when they were playing. Today, in the NFL, I want to hear what you guys have as your top five. I think me and John already listed who was our number one. We both said Devontae Adams earlier in the show. So I want to kick this off with actually you, Brandon, because I want to hear your number one. One of you guys say who your number one is because, uh, shocker, shocker. He's not even in my top four. Um, so it's disrespectful. Disrespect. Yes. Wow. But, um, number one, I go and I just I just say, you know what, man? I gotta give it to this guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. The season he just had, I think you guys know who I'm going with. Season he just had was one word historic. Okay. This is stuff legends are made of. The triple crown champ, Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP, 145 catches, 1,947 yards, 16 touchdowns, all led the league. And also he led the league with 89 first down catches. This man was unstoppable. And and it's because... He finally got an elite quarterback to throw him the football. And I think we all can remember when Matt Stafford had Calvin Johnson, he would force feed Calvin. And that's that's another reason why Calvin got those high numbers and I uh, was so close to 2,000 receiving yards. When Stafford finds his guy as a receiver, he will look for them no matter what because he trusts them and he knows that this guy will get the job done. So with Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford to be together for years to come, I think these numbers, I think he's going to put up, I don't know if he gets to the same amount of numbers, but I think he puts up very similar numbers. 
next year, barring health, and I understand he's had a little problems before with a little injuries, but last season he was able to stay healthy. So if that is, if that's the case, I think Cooper Cup is going to continue this uh this run as just the best wide receiver in the league. And I understand some people don't like it, but you got to give the man his props for what he did on the football field every Sunday, Monday and Thursday sometimes. Okay. Um, I mean, if you want me to fill out my yeah, fill top. Yep. Let's go because I'll be honest. So I'll, I'll jump, I'll jump in there. I'll piggyback off of you because while I have Devonte Adams, number one, I do have Cooper number two. Okay. So, so my number two is uh, Justin Jefferson. I think this kid is special. I think he'll be a Hall of Famer one day, and that might sound blasphemy right now, but I think though I just I see something. I see uh, a guy who's I think him and Jamar Chase are going to be challenge each other, challenging each other for best wide receiver for years to come. Uh, I I just don't see a weakness in Justin Jefferson. I I don't, and. and he, and he's got a guy who's a numbers guy with Kirk Cousins, so his numbers are going to be great. I mean, imagine if he had Matt Stafford or Aaron Rodgers like Devontae had. I think his numbers would be even better, and his numbers were already great last year with 108 catches, 1,600 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Uh, number three, I got Tyreek Hill. Uh, you could say what you want about Tyreek Hill. I think he's been underappreciated and undervalued. Over Devontae? Yeah, exa- oh and that's God. exactly my point right there. The undervalue and underappreciation of what Tyreek Hill can do to a defense and for an offense. When he's on the field, he makes the defense completely shift. I don't know if there's a receiver in the game that can do that right now. That makes a defense completely shift and say, we need to know where Tyreek is at all times because he can take a negative yard catch, 80 yards, in a freaking snap of a finger. Okay. One second he's right on you're right on his hip. The next second he's five yards in front of you. And guess what? He's giving you the peace sign and you can't touch him. All right. The cheetah is special. And it, it is the speed. It's the speed that makes him that guy. Number four is who I thought was the best receiver in football for um the past couple of years. And that's D Hop. I know he had a down year last year, he got injured. But if you look, I think it's also similar to a Larry Fitzgerald. Look at the quarterbacks DeAndre Hopkins played with in the, in the Texans before Deshaun Watson got there. Then he got Deshaun Watson and he told and he showed you what he can do with the true quarterback. Now he's got Kyler Murray. I think he's ready. He, he is 30 years old, so I think that you might you might see a downswing, but I also think he's got maybe two to three of that top tier receiving years left. Okay. And then number five. Devonte Adams. I just think he's gonna have. Uh, I think he's gonna not have the uh, the numbers that he did not last season, but the season before. I don't think he's gonna reach that with Derek Carr, and I think that's because he had Aaron Rodgers. So now that you mentioned that, I actually have that same question about Tyreek Hill. Like I question the production. While I do think he can have a big year, I don't think it'll be nearly to the the numbers that he was putting up with Patrick Mahomes. Well, he was never putting up like historically great numbers, like a like a Cooper Cup year. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or like what Devontae did two years ago. He wasn't put. He was just putting up consistently like I think 1,100, 1,200 yards a year. Um, I think sometimes double-digit touchdowns. It was just when t- what my thing is with Tyreek is when he's on the field, the defense needs to know at all times where he is. Yeah. Because if you lose focus of him, guess what? That's a touchdown. Because right. of the speed. Okay, so I, I love Tyreek Hill, and Tyreek Hill is definitely in my top five. So I'll break mine down because I know John probably has some things he wants to say about yours too. So I'll do mine pretty quick. I got Devontae Adams number one. I don't really think I have to go into too much detail about that, but 123 receptions last year, 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns. The year before that, 115 receptions, thir- almost 1,400 yards, and 18 touchdowns. The guy with him and 12 on the field, they were automatic. I don't think there's a, a better duo in the National Football League today. Today, I really don't think so. Number two, I got Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup really bursted onto the scene while he's always been a very good receiver. I didn't know this was what he had, you know, in the dark there. I didn't know. I did not expect that out of Cooper Cup. The guy was an absolute monster. And literally, you'd know the ball was going to him. And it was just, yo, just, just lock up Cooper Cup. Just, just, just get in front of him. Don't make sure he doesn't beat you. And no team could stop it. I look at the game against Tampa in the playoffs. You knew the ball was going downfield to Cooper Cup. You couldn't stop it. They didn't stop it at all. Number three, I got Justin Jefferson. Man, that dude is absolutely ridiculous. Hands, route running, speed. I don't know if there's a better package of, of in the NFL. I think uh, next year he might be number one if Devontae Adams takes a dip playing with Derek Carr. So, yeah, Devontae Adams, while I do, I do have that question mark with him playing with, with uh, Derek Carr in, in Vegas, I still think he has number one, the number one spot right now, at least. Number four, you didn't mention this guy, and I'm surprised you didn't throw him in there because I actually put him ahead of DeAndre Hopkins because we haven't seen the real D-Hop, what he was doing in Houston since he's been in Arizona. I, I love Stephon Diggs and what he showed the last two years in, in Buffalo. He is an elite number one. Route running, route running, I don't know if there's a better route runner outside of him and Devontae Adams in the league. So I'm going to go with Stephon Diggs. And number five, I got Tyreek Hill. I'm glad you guys give Cooper Cup his respect because, damn, was that season historical. But Devontae Adams, he is the most complete receiver. When he came to the league early, he had drop issues. Last two years, his total of four drops. That drop percentage is well below 2%. That is less than half of Tyreek and Cooper Cup just last season. When it comes to route running and the ability to maneuver in space or in tight windows, Aaron Rodgers is one of the most accurate quarterbacks. But part of why he's so accurate is because Devontae's hands and ability to make crazy catches, whether it's a, an off-platform throw when Aaron Rodgers is under duress late, late in a possession, I mean, or late in a, in a play when it breaks down. When it comes to that old reliable, that, that's what Devontae is. I don't think... As good as Cooper was this last year, he is as complete a receiver as Devontae. That's why I have him at number one. Now, two and three, I'm, I split hairs here, but I got Jettis. He's a 23-year-old that's nearly matching Cooper Cup in production. And you talked about, of course, Matthew Stafford's trust in Cooper, but I say to myself, Kirk Cousins is not the most reliable and consistent quarterback, but even still, him and Jettis are tearing up the NFL. Absolutely. And even on those Sundays where Adam Thielen's out, I have never seen a receiver like that 23 years old until I saw Jamar Chase. And as insane as Jamar Chase is, I'm about to touch on him in a minute. Jettas, I think when it comes to blocking, um, Cooper Cup's awesome. So is Justin. We're going to see a lot more of that this year with the O'Connell takeover. 
Number three, Cooper Cup. He has to be in my top five. There's no two ways about it. You talked about triple crown or triple king. How many players have done that? Three? Jerry Rice? Has Randy done it? I mean, that list is so short that you have to acknowledge him for how amazing a player he has become with a legitimate quarterback. He didn't have that, and now he finally gets it all of a sudden. Best production I've seen, better than Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, all those guys. When it comes to what he does, I've never seen a player better at it. Number four, I got Jamar Chase. Bengals don't make the playoffs without him this mm-hmm. last year. Jamar was what saved that Bengals team. I oh. would have been, I'll be honest with you, I think that Bengals team, they won 10 games. They could have won six or five. But I think Jamar is that big of a game changer for Joe Burrow. And they had, it wasn't a terrible offensive line per se, but it was probably like 20th to 25th in the NFL. It got worse as the season went on. John, if I'm not mistaken, somebody in this uh, party here forgot to start Jamar Chase in their fantasy football lineups one time. Oh, wait, wasn't that in the championship? (laughs) I heard about that. Which one of you was it? (laughs) Come on, Brandon, share the story, bro. (laughs) <laughs> was that the week where you had like four touchdowns or three touchdowns? there was matchups all right it was the matchup it was the matchup right. okay i got screwed so that, that, was, crown that, champ. Was, that was the regular season game right where um yeah yes, take yes, a deep yes, dive yes. all right had move on, move 11, on. Yes, the, yes, the rookie had 11 touchdown. catches 266 <laughs> yards and three touchdowns I'm not really a big fancy guy, but that's like 30 points right there off receiving yards alone. So <laughs> what do you have? 60 points on the bench? No, what the heck? So I have Jamar at number four. I think in two years, him and Jettos will be one and two. And Devontae, Devontae is you know, older than those guys, but about five yeah. or six years considerably. Number five, I got Tyree Kill. He talked about the speed, sure, but he had some drop issues a little bit. And I think really playing with Patrick Mahomes benefited him big time as well. Same way did for all of these guys, but... He was just the main receiver they went to so often, and while well, the speed kills, when it comes to the, the complete package, I'm taking Devontae, I'm taking Jettas, I'm taking Cooper, and then I'll take Jamar as well because of his youth. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about some of the other guys you, t- you touched on before? Um, so I just wanted to say, the uh, so the Triple Crown champion, so post-1970, mm-hmm. like modern era, because there were a bunch before 1966. Yeah. But post-1970, there's only been three. Jerry Rice in 1990, Sterling Sharp in 1992, and Steve Smith Sr. in 2005. Mm, yeah. So Cooper Cup is in that elite company of receivers that have won the Triple Crown Championship. And actually, his numbers were better than all three of those guys all the way across the board. So. If, if you guys can look at the, the NFL today and you see your list, who do you think, just throw out a name, no explanation, just a name, can contend, bless you, Thank you. can contend for this top five list? My, uh, one of the names that just pops into my brain is only a C.D. Lamb. Mm. I would say Jamar Chase is going to enter that discussion this upcoming year. The only reason I didn't put him in is because of uh, it was his rookie year, so I need to see him do it again to see the consistency. But I have all the faith in the world he's going to do it. So I have him. Uh, he's Like I said, him and Justin Jefferson – are going to be battling for first place wide receiver, number one receiver in the NFL for years to come, in my opinion. What about you, John? I say Michael Pittman. Crazy one. When you look at quarterbacks, he's got between A.J. Brown, 
Terry McLaurin, Jalen Waddle. He's got the best one. And when you saw the chemistry he built Carson once last season, just launch it, go up and get it, Michael. He got it. And you look at the other receiver, surely got Alec Pierce. And I think he can kind of be a similar receiver to Michael, kind of like a poor man's, maybe like DK or something like that. But in year two, once he, he got like a halfway decent, oh, Philip Rivers, not going to disrespect him, but you're only at 500 yards as a, mm. as a, as a year one player. Year two, almost 1,100. Sure, he played every single game, which helped him. But I'm telling you, man, the vertical presence of Michael Pittman. I think he's only going to continue to level up with that high-level quarterback playing. You know, Matt Ryan may be gone two years, which is kind of tough. He hasn't been able to build that chemistry with a single quarterback. But if we had the quarterback, you have all of those targets, and you can just go up and get it. Julio Jones is at that discussion. I think Michael Pittman, he's going to be right on the edges. To me, he's going to be a top-10 receiver. Right now, there's so many good receivers in the game. I got Pittman at 14. So I got, you know, I got Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins right outside my top five. A.J. Brown, Debo, and Terry right after them. Mike Evans, C.D., Jalen Waddle, and then I had Pittman right there with C.D. and Jalen. I think he's in that same company. Yeah, that's. I actually wanted to ask about that. Like, I'm surprised none of us mentioned Debo. I, I think Debo was like six or seven for me, just outside. So for me with Debo, we were talking pure wide receiver here. If we're talking, if I want a talent on the football field, give me Debo all day. Okay. Because Debo can give me a running attack and receiving threat. Yes. So. The reason why I didn't have him is because I don't think that's going to stay. I think if he continues being that runner, he's going to have a much shorter career. His injuries, they're an issue for him in college. They've been an issue with him in year two, only starting five games. And you have that many touches, and your guys can't be like that. Maybe he can do it for two more years, but like I think that's just going to continue to drop off. He doesn't want those carries. He wants to get paid. And so I don't expect him to have you know 60 rushes a season. I'm not really anticipating any of that. And that's going to really cut away at his touchdowns. He had what? How many touchdowns? Oh, my God. 14 total last year. He was, well, he had eight rushing. So he had, yeah. um, was it 22? Oh, yeah, he only had 14. He only had six six receiving. Okay, okay. Yeah, he did lead the NFL in yards reception. I had him at eight to nine. I had him right there with A.J. Brown. I think A.J. is better. I think it's tough. I, I think this Debo and San Francisco are the perfect scheme. I don't think he can really replicate that in most other places. Maybe Baltimore would be the one spot. That's it. That's I, I think people forget just how good he is as a receiver because he runs. You know, he had 1,400 yards last year. After the catch, he, he's insane. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. 1,400 yards receiving on top of how many rushing? 365 yards rushing for a wide receiver. That's – I think he'll be creeping into that top five soon too. I mean, this is his first real big breakout season. We'll see what's to come next year. I know his contract stuff is up in the air, so we'll see how he plays with Trey Lance. But for Jimmy G, we still don't know what's going on in San Francisco. Tons of question marks. But that was pretty cool. I enjoyed talking top five wide receivers. Wide receivers is probably the most fun position to talk about in the NFL. Mm, I agree. You guys ready for Check It Up? Ready to check it up. So for the people that are listening to us to this, we're, we're starting this new segment called Check It Up. John's going to break down the details of what's to come and what you can expect for when we do this in future episodes. So this is going to be our own unique style where we've done NFL or NBA trivia and we've had weird fun facts that we present to one another and it's just stuff that they end the episode. It could be a funny, like a, a unique thing you see on Instagram. Like the other day I was, I was scrolling and I've actually, Zach Schrammler is a podcast. He, he posted it and he kind of had his own segment talking about it. Do you guys know that this is a totally different sport, but one of them was 
Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they played um just kind of crazy. In three years, they played less games than Clay Thompson and Steph Curry this last season. That's a completely different sport, but it's you know a weird fun fact like that per se. And we'll talk about that. We'll go into NFL trivia. It'll be a, a seven to fifteen minute segment where we, we kind of have a unique flavor. Do you guys have a trivia question today? Are you? I, I don't have a trivia question either. Okay, well I, I've got a I've got a unique one. So this one's fun. This is actually it's not when I say an NFL legend. It actually is an NFL legend. Um, yeah. And believe it or not, I won't give away the position. So, seven-time Pro Bowler drafted in 1976 in the fourth round by the Houston Oilers. But he didn't spend his career with that team. In fact, he spent his career with only one franchise. And they've actually switched divisions. Have they? And the NFC West is where he played. And then in the whatever year it was, I'm going to give away the team. Okay, so he played in the NFL for 14 seasons. Led it twice in yards for his position. And he's in the Hall of Fame. What position? He went to Tulsa. Retired in 1989. He's a wide receiver. NFC West. Made the all-decade 1980s team, a Walter Payton Man of the Year, a seven-time Pro Bowler, which I think I said. The Oklahoma native became a West Coast legend. So he played in San Francisco. Is it um? What's his name? It's not, it's not. It's not Steve Largent. It's. Is it Steve? Is it? What hell? Steve Largent. Steve Largent. It is Steve Largent. Okay. Hey, good job, Justin. Is that is that back to back episodes? Did I got something right? Yeah. yeah. We gotta build that. You gotta build that continuity. You're gonna have to add flames as as an edit for me anytime I get this. I've got another one for you guys. If you haven't come up with another. Okay. Yeah, this is a current player from Cedar Grove, New Jersey. Yep, he's uh, yeah. That's that's like probably like, I don't know, within an hour from my my home, probably. Okay, dox myself. So he was drafted at Miami, Florida, in the 2017 NFL Draft. He plays in the AFC North. Tight end. Newly signed extension. Mark Andrews? Nope. Didn't he just get paid to? Could have sworn he did. Maybe I'm wrong. Plays in the NFC North. In the AFC North. AFC, AFC, yeah. He has a total of 1,700 yards through five seasons. 15 TDs. David and and Joko. Yep. Man, that contract was terrible. Let's go! It ends going to be constantly overpaying now. Because it... yeah. Job. One of my former teachers, she was like asking me about him. And I was like, oh, he's drafted by the Browns. We're seeing the NFL. I was like seven years ago. No, five years ago when I was drafted. But, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't believe they throw all that money on the tight end market now. is only going to skyrocket. But... Um. So something I want to talk about that's some interesting news. Um. Mm-hmm. 
I was telling you guys both about it. Uh, I watched over uh, the, um, I think two days ago, I watched the Jamarcus Russell uh, interview on the Pivot podcast. And I got to say, man, it kind of gives you uh, a new perspective on Jamarcus Russell. Because, you know, I, the whole narrative was biggest bust of all time in NFL history. Guy didn't care. Guy just wanted to get his money, get paid, and be out. And the way he talks about it is just really he he felt personally that Oakland never truly believed in him, and they didn't really set him up to succeed. And I think if we look back at it, I mean, this is just like if if it wasn't Jamarcus Russell, just I told you a num a former number one overall pick. First overall, only played three seasons in the NFL, never got a second chance on another team, and never really dealt with major injuries. That that just doesn't happen. That, I mean, Ryan Leaf, who was the second overall pick, got another chance. I think he played on two practice teams, and he played for another team for one year. But at least he got another chance. For Jamarcus Russell never to have gotten another shot, it's just, I think, ridiculous. And I think it's kind of a stain on the NFL a little bit because it just – it kind of goes into, well, I don't want to, you know, bring up race, but if it was a white quarterback, would that have happened? And I think the perfect compare, uh, compare, uh, person to compare him to is Ryan Leaf, like I just said. Another terrible quarterback. He was second to Jamarcus Hurst overall. He was terrible his three seasons in uh, San Diego, and he got another shot. Jamarcus never did. I, I think it's a shame. Um, and and if, if anybody has time, I would definitely check it out because you get to see in, inside of what Jamarcus Russell was really going through throughout those uh, three seasons in Oakland. Mm. Yeah, 24-year-old. That just It's crazy. I remember talking about it as a kid. Steve and I would say he stole money from the Raiders. And as a kid, I would say uh, my brother would talk about it with me. I didn't realize at the time Jamarcus was still just 26 years old. I thought he was like 40. Now he's not even 40. He's 37, 36. Yeah, 36. Wow. And it's crazy when you really think about it from that lens of like, dude, this is still 24-year-old kid in a way. You know, he was just at college for a couple of seasons. I just mean thrust into Oakland after living down south in Alabama and Louisiana his entire life. But another podcast I've been listening to is on Andrew Luck. I remember exactly where I was when Andrew Luck retired. So my room, this used to be a bedroom. My bed was right there where that, where that is. And it's like probably like 8 or 9 o'clock. And, you know, it's summer, August 24th, 2019, 2018. Mm -hmm. A brother comes in, barges up, and, yo, Andrew Luck just retired. I'm like, shut up. No, we didn't. And he's like, bro, Adam Schefter just tweeted it. I was like, Andrew Luck retired? I'm like, he, he's 28. I'm like, he's 26, 27? Like, he's, he's retiring. I'm like, what? And I, I couldn't believe, I was dumbfounded. And what I came to learn when I started listening to this podcast on The Athletic, it's, it's an amazing. I, I mean, the way it was produced, the, the sports writing, it was a podcast, but it was a documentary without video, really. It was so well scripted. It was rehearsed. I've never listened to it. Basically, a biography of a quarterback under this lens by the Athletic Football Show. And basically, it, it 
chronicalizes how Jim Irsay and the Colts, they give up uh, give up on Peyton Manning, the best player to ever play for the franchise, turned it all around, one of the three to five best quarterbacks ever. They gave up on him after one year, and he was trying to do everything he could to come back to be the red zone quarterback and let Dan Orlowski be the quarterback for the rest of the snaps. They cut him after drafting Andrew Luck, and Peyton was even playing like, yo, like, I'll be the backup for a few years. I'll help him out. Andrew Luck was that type of generational quarterback. You know, Robert Griffin was one of the best quarterback prospects. He's number two overall pick because of him. Luck comes in as a rookie, seven game winning drives. His coach had cancer as a rookie. He still made the playoffs with Bruce Arians. And basically what you come to realize is Andrew Luck was another one of the guys. He was built like a linebacker and he played like one. As smart as he was, absolute genius. He loved the competitiveness. He loved the physical nature of the game. And after his first three years, he played every single game. Injuries started to pile up. It was the shoulder. It was, um, oh my God, in his midsection, a terrible injury. They were comparing it to like a car accident where he, he ruptured. I forget exactly what it was. It was so bad that he was peeing blood. And he missed the 2017 season. He barely played in 2016. He comes back in 2018, has a career year, 40 touchdown passes. Would have been the MVP if it weren't for Patrick Mahomes. Losing Mahomes in the past. That's the last game he ever played. You come to realize, one, the Colts' awful offensive line, it's ironic that his last name's Luck, and right after he retired because he was dealing with ankle and calf injuries, they were nagging, and he was just talking about how the whole process of injury, pain, rehab, injury, pain, rehab, over and over again, he wouldn't make that vow to himself again. He had made life-changing money at that point. Why would he keep playing? if It's soaking and taking all of the joy of the game away from him. And as fans, we knew none of this because Andrew Luck wouldn't talk about it. He wouldn't speak about any of that. And it's amazing to me how, as a fan, we never saw that reality. His teammates didn't even know that night he was retiring until fans saw it, and they're screaming to the players. And they're like, no, he's not retiring. And then when it was leaked, Luck had to tell them in, in post-game, actually played, I think, the Eagles in, in preseason. Mm-hmm. At his, his press conference and the next day, got pushed to that night. And, you know, I never appreciated Andrew Luck. I never realized as a kid I was nine years old when he was drafted how – that was the best quarterback prospect since Peyton Manning. And so if you're going to yep. replace Peyton with anybody, it might be the next guy in line. And he's already been in the NFL 14 years. He's 35 years old. And like I said before, it's ironic that the Colts offensive line three years later is so elite. Quinn Nelson, Ryan, Brian Smith at tackle, get Ryan Kelly at center. You legitimately get two or three pro bowlers in the offensive line. One of the best, most dominant interior. They get, they got everything. And that comes right after Luck retired. They never got to play Quentin Nelson. In fact, Quentin Nelson, after a year one to Chris Ballard's office, like, we need Andrew Luck back. And Ballard's like, probably like, the, the, the joy of football is taken away from him because of injuries. Yeah. Partially because of his reckless nature, but also because they couldn't draft offensive linemen. And they're throwing money and picks around like there's no tomorrow as if it was like fantasy football on Trent Richardson, a 34-year-old Andre Johnson, instead of addressing the offensive line. And it, like I said, it's ironic that Luck never had the old line until the very day he retired. And once they built that offensive line, they couldn't find the darn quarterback. And now they're with Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan's a good fit for them. But in two years, is he going to be the Colts quarterback? If that's not the case, if he's not, they went through Brissett, Rivers, Wentz, Ryan, on to the next one. It's five quarterbacks in six years. Yeah, it's it's pretty sad because, you know, you look at the Colts team today and you're like, man, they're just a quarterback away, an elite quarterback away. And they had it. The year that he retired, they were – probably a super bowl contender with him under center easily you know so nelson was a rookie it's it's such a big what if story and i used to always hope especially like when uh calvin johnson retired you know there was speculations ah he's not gonna stay retired 
he's going to find his way to New England. Like, you know, it's always going to happen. You know, that, that's the story. And when Andrew Luck retired, you know, you're like, okay, he's going to take a year off. No way. No way he's going to be out of the game. This guy's so young. How old was he when he retired? It's 29. 29. 29. It was like, you see quarterbacks dominating right now at 36, 37. With the O-line that he has, he had the opportunity to dominate it for, for longer than that. He, I, I would say if he had still been in the league, he'd already have a Super Bowl title under his belt right now. I mean, this was a guy that when he was drafted, before he was even drafted, people are saying, this is a bona fide Hall of Famer. Before he was even drafted, before he even stepped foot on a freaking NFL football field, analysts and scouters were saying, this guy will be a Hall of Famer. And he showed up and showed out and showed his potential, never got protected correctly by that offensive line. Never it, had it's a running just game. A, or the running game. And they got the running game right after he left too with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, this guy. I think he was, like Justin said, I think he would have uh, definitely, if not won a Super Bowl, he would have definitely been competing for Super Bowls. I think he would have ended his career with at least two Super Bowl wins. Um, he would have won MVP, if not multiple times. Mm-hmm. I mean, 29, he's like literally smack dab in the middle of his prime. And even today in NFL, we see quarterbacks playing until the late 30s. So he, he had years to go. But and I even I heard about this when he retired a couple months after he retired on why he retired. And he said, and dude, people don't understand when you get injured like that, and then you have to rehab, and then you work your ass off for a year, eight, nine months to get back, just to get injured again and have to do it all over again. So that means you don't get to enjoy your off season because you're always in the gym working out and rehabbing. You don't get to spend time with your family. You don't get to be on the practice field with your teammates to build that chemistry even more. And the joy of the game, I would imagine gets tear torn out from you. And it just sucks that a man that was arguably, I think we would have been talking about him as a top five quarterback right now in the league. I have no doubt about that. Smack down in the middle of that discussion with young guys and the old heads. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, it really does. Mind if I uh, steer real quick off of a different topic before we end this segment of Check It Up? Just just popped into my mind. And I know we don't really talk baseball, but I just want to get into something. It's Today is, what, July 17th? We're coming up on on the All-Star Game, the Home Run Derby, all this excitement. Uh, baseball always does a, a great job when it comes to their all-star festivities, but they've done an amazing job this year. They're going to honor both Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera. I'm, I'm, I'm rocking a Detroit Tigers shirt right now. So, oh, what, what are you bringing out? Nice, nice. I got my Cardinals jersey in the closet, but it's Yadier Molina. First so jersey. I, I just, just want to shout out um, those two legends. I'm a big, big fan of... of when we give back to it, when we just show love to them. I remember, you know, Peyton Manning. Yeah, you, you always have to. I remember when Mariano Rivera was was retiring. He he was getting nice send offs every time he he stepped in foot in the foot of a step foot in a road ballpark. And and now that they're giving Albert Pujols the respect that he deserves, the guy's 15 home runs away from 700. I don't know if he's going to get it, but it's this is the perfect opportunity to show love to. The greatest, the greatest legends to ever play play this game, 
uh, growing up, I, I still remember, you know, watching a young Miguel Cabrera. My mom was in love with him. She called him Babyface, and, and every time she sees him today, now that he's almost forty years old, she still calls him Babyface. Uh, when I was young, Albert Pujols used to come to New York, go play against the Mets at Shea Stadium, and we kind of made it a family event all the time to go see the Cardinals play the Mets. So I used to see Albert Pujols in dead smack in his prime way back in like 06, 07, getting to watch these guys. Uh, I just wanted to shout out these two legends and, and say, you know, ha happy trails, man. I, it's It's been great watching these two players all the all these years as a baseball player myself and as a coach myself there's not that many players that i can say without a doubt kids go watch these two study them and come back to me you know you can never replicate them but you can you can try and you'll, you'll learn a lot from these two so I, I, that's all i want to say i could talk baseball all day but i just wanted to show love to albert pools and miguel cabrera when cabrera came into the, the league the Marlins, they were called the Florida Marlins, right? I'm Florida looking at Marlins, right now. Right. Yeah. And it's great. I'm, I'm a casual baseball fan. I've been getting into it a little bit recently because the Pirates are winning some games. I got to ask you, as somebody that loves Pittsburgh, I know all about Roberto Clemente, as, with Miguel Cabrera, one, a guy from Venezuela, and then Albert Pujols, a guy from the Dominican Republic, did they, were they the ones that, in what the early 2000s that really ushered that new wave of baseball players from all over all over whether it's south america what have you well no it's not even just them because before them you you had manny ramirez and you have david ortiz so it, it was almost like this giant community because a rod also started in in the late 90s so you had people from the dominican republic too uh base baseball's just littered with a tons of Latin American communities, and it's incredible. You watch my favorite baseball player of all time is Carlos Beltran from from Puerto Rico. So it's they didn't just usher it in, but they definitely played a big part in you know a lot of people following them afterwards. It's wild. I remember, I remember watching Miguel when I was like it was twenty thirteen. I was in elementary school, and he was like you know thirty two that back then, an MVP, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, triple crown. I forgot he was in MVP. The Man, it's, it's Miguel Cabrera. These, you know, I, I had this debate with a couple of guys at my job. We would talk about the who's the most fierce right-handed hitter of all time. Could so easy you could say left-handed hitter of all time. You you'll throw out Barry Bonds. Nobody can really argue that. But right-handed hitters, it's it's such a great debate. You have a, a Rod, you have Manny, you have Albert, you have Miggy, guys that just absolutely made this sport this difficult sport the sport that has more failure than anyone in the world and any sport in the world they made it look so easy so easy brandon i know you're not a big baseball fan but you just got to watch this duel between mariano rivera and miguel cabrera one day when when you get the chance it's it's incredible but yeah i just wanted to shout out mlb everybody tune into the home run derby albert pools is making his final appearance in a home run derby I don't know if he's going to win it, but you know what? I, I never bet against him, so why not? I'm going with Albert Pujols, taking it home in L.A. Who else is there? If I'm not mistaken, I don't have all the names in front of me. I know Pete Alonzo's in it, Corey Seager. Uh, who else? Football, I got you. Um, Let's see. We could, we could pull it up right now. Where is this? 
Do you have it? Oh, I see Kyle Schwarber. Okay. Albert Pujols. Oh, they're going head to head. Pete Alonso repping the Mets. Ronald Acuna representing the Braves. Oh, that's going to be fun. Corey Seager repping the Rangers. Rookie sensation Julio Rodriguez is representing the Mariners. Man, this guy reminds me so much of Alex Rodriguez when he came up. And number four, the number four seed repping the Nationals is Juan Soto. That's an interesting one because that guy just turned down a $440 million contract extension. Why? Yeah. He, he wants more. That's he, I think wow. he wants, uh, yeah, he wants way more than Mike Trout. Uh, Jose Ramirez representing the Cleveland Guardians. And, and it should be a show. It should be a show. Tune in, guys. Is that Youngblood going to kind of bail like Griffey and Rodriguez and Cano is another one, right? All well, those guys? A- actually, uh, his numbers are right up to par with Ken Griffey Jr. at this point in his season. I think his first 80-something games are pretty up to par with Ken Griffey. Well, he Not was 29 say. when he left. Yeah, because the Mariners, they've always had these generational talents. always lose them every time. Yep. They're, they're, they're losing streak, not no playoffs. It's longer in Sacramento's, right, in the NBA? But you know what? Think, things, are, things are changing in Seattle. Uh, I think especially last year, they, they had a big run where they almost made the wild card, and, and the energy was, was just so alive down there. And, and they have a young core. They got young prospects that are coming up, some exciting pitchers. One of them just pitched in the Futures game yesterday. I think Seattle's on the up and up, but we could save that for another day. I think we're good, fellas. We're good, Shout good, out to Ichiro good. Suzuki as well. Shout out to Ichiro. <laughs> you know, that guy's pitching. Like, he pitches sometimes down in, and he's just throwing strikes, punching kids out, punching high school kids out, like making them look foolish at the plate. Pretty good. Yeah. I, gotta, I need to practice. I got to get like that. I do want to say before we head out, and Justin wraps this up, uh, about about what Justin said before he uh, started talking, um, he said giving people their uh, flowers. So I, I understand. I know that you know what we do right here is we talk about players that are playing currently or what they've done in the past, and you know we're we're critiquing them. I, I would say maybe me more than you guys a little bit. I'm a little bit more harsher, but I, I do want to say it all comes from love and respect because I understand that I could never be able to do what these athletes do on the court, on the fields, the ice rink. We don't talk about hockey, but you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so it's all love, all respect. I give people that I want to give people their flowers. So for all the athletes out there, thank you for what you're doing. You're great entertainers. You're great at what you do in your sport field. And just thank you. Salute. Salute. Guys, that was episode nine. Episode nine, we're this far. Let's we're gonna have a big party for episode ten. Probably bring some fireworks, some drinks. Well, not for John. John's too young for that. So. All, right. <laughs> All right, fellas. We'll see you guys. Like, comment, subscribe. John, you link our socials, you know the deal. Stay classy. Peace. Oh. You can bring a solo cup and you're fine. <laughs>